Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell. That music made us sound really like we got got our crap together. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought um, after almost five years here that we'd actually would have a theme that is kind of cool and not just cookie cutter. So this is kind of a special podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about our new theme. We, we also, I should mention at this point, we do have a new logo. If you haven't noticed it when you download the podcast, I'll talk a little bit about that later. But in studio today with us is Nick Dupre. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. Hello. And Nick is the digital program analyst manager, analysis manager mm-hmm. at NPR. Yes. And uh, you and I actually, I don't think we met in Chicago at Podcast Movement last year, but I did sit, sit in on the presentation you did, which was about, would you describe yeah, what it is? It was about our approach to measuring audio analytics through the NPR One app and taking millions of transactional listening transactions and figuring out how to learn things from them, both for the product and for how we make better radio. So naturally, I would hear that title and that presentation and think that you would be a person to write music for us. Uh, (laughs) That was not the case. I should also mention that Nicole Grisco, our other producer, is here in the podcast studio. Welcome. how's it going? It's going great, as a matter of fact. How do you feel about this music? I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. It's definitely fresher. It's more modern. I think it fits us. It's in this century, I think. I'm thrilled by that. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. This is a a long process for us. We... uh, we kind of decided uh, like a month and a half, two months ago, that we really needed to get a new theme. And actually about that, that time, it, this is a really long roundabout story, but I'll, I'll try to make it brief. You know, uh, I took some of the elements from Nick's presentation uh, as part of the book that I that I wrote about podcasting. And so I'd been in communication with him over the, you know, over the course of the years, I was sort of finishing that up. Mm -hmm. And then about the time we were looking for a new podcast um, to, you know, well, let's, let's get somebody to compose it because we know that this is something that some people do is they hire people to, to actually have experience scoring podcasts, radio shows, et cetera. I saw an article interview with, with you with, I think maybe with uh, either like a DC. DC music download. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. And I said, I know this guy. Uh, And so. Is it the same guy? Is it the same guy? It must be the same guy. So I reached out to you. Now, this isn't the first theme that you've done. Mm -mm. Uh, I've done several. Uh, We we finished up the work with Up First, the NPR daily news podcast in March. And that was the first big branding project that I've done. And now I'm in the midst of several others. Um, I won't name everybody that we're working with, but there are some other NPR folks that are looking for themes. And in addition to themes, I've done a lot of scoring. Some of my best work, I think, was with KQED's podcast, The Leap, where um, we're literally propelling the narrative through original score with the tape. There's a couple episodes in season two that I scored that were really rewarding. So let's just, I think some of the... The terminology is probably pretty yeah. self-explanatory, but let's let's sort of talk about it. the theme. Is just basically this is the the music that's going to accompany that podcast through, yeah. through its life and sort of set the tone of what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think of um, it's it goes along with branding. You mentioned you're you're putting together a new logo for the show, so it's like um, dressing the show up in new clothes. It's the first the theme is the first thing that folks hear in the show. It's your brand. It's putting your brand out there. So yeah, I've gotten a lot of great experience and thanks to you all for giving me the opportunity to uh, try out different sounds in ways that sort of help folks put their brand out there and give people a sense of what their show is about. Okay. And Nicole and I have had, had, had discussions in the past about podcast. We t- talk about a lot about different podcasts that we listen to and, and some that we 
we actually have had a couple of about music about like that the music seems very strange but you talk about scoring and that's actually the music that accompanies the the meat of the episode right and that you're you know you're doing transitions you're sort of setting the mood for whatever the particular narrative it is you know what is your approach to that yeah yeah it's really it's something i've refined um over the last couple of years but there's a couple different ways to go about it and it depends on how the producers want to do it Sometimes you have a finished product to work with. Sometimes you have final tape, a final script, tracking, accent tracks ready to go, and you're just going to take that tape and you're going to compose and produce music that goes directly with it. And sometimes you're going to actually produce like a final mix as a result of that. That's maybe one extreme where you have a finished product. Much more often the case, you are coming into the process as they are putting the episode together, which has its advantages as well. So... In the best case scenario, as the script is being written, finalized, the tape is being gathered, maybe you, the producer has a final cut of the tape that they want to use, but they haven't tracked the um, narrative yet, then I will pick that up. I'll have a discussion with the producers and say, well, what does this sound like to you? You know, what is what are we conveying here? It, this is a story about, in the case of one of the episodes of KQD's The Leap, it was a story about growing up in a cult. It's called Out of the Pond. And it was in um, Northern California. And she, she describes the landscape as this rugged, beautiful mountain scenery. And so I tried to produce something that seemed vast and raw. And so I said, you know, here's what I think it sounds like. I'll even throw out some references to say, here's some artists or some other podcasts or some films that maybe hit on the aesthetic that I think works here. And then they'll come back and say um, yes or no essentially, or, you know, more of that a little. And so then I'll start actually producing. Maybe I won't actually have the exact tape that I'm producing to. So in some cases, I'll, I'll make a library of sorts. I'll literally produce like a mini, one way to think about it is a mini album, a mini EP of maybe 20 minutes of music, of which they'll maybe use about 12 to 15. And they'll actually mix the episode with that. In other cases, I'm actually, when there's more mature tape, I'm actually hitting precise posts that they lay out. And that's actually one of my favorite things to do is there's scenes that require very precise posts. I'm going to compose to actually hit those. And that is where I've really had a lot of fun because that requires not only music skills, but also like employing our radio instincts. Like where does a post fit? Where does a fade in fit? Where does a fade out fit? So those are the fun, that's the fun stuff. So what's your background as a musician? In the same way, what's your background as a journalist, yeah. as a, a data person? Yeah, let's yeah let's go through it. Wow. Um, <laughs> I moved to Washington, D.C. like seven years ago, and I was a tech person. I was an analytics tech person working at a consulting firm, a digital marketing agency, and NPR posted a job for um, you know someone. It was The title back then was Innovation Accountant. Probably <laughs> when we talked in, in Chicago, when you first came across my work, it was as an innovation accountant. And so they needed someone who could take data analysis skills honed from other places and apply them to radio and audio. And I was in the right place at the right time. So at the same time, I've been a musician all my life and I've recorded and produced some of my own stuff. I've worked with a lot of bands in DC. Some of my best friends in DC are like musician types. And I have the fortune of being having played on several records that are coming out or have come out this year. So I'm really stoked about that. The most recent one is this by this guy, Sean Barna, who is this DC folk singer who uh, put out a, a full-length album just a month ago. And so 
anyway, I've worked on a lot of people's musical projects and it's funny because I have always felt a lot of pressure to be an artist and I do think I have, you know, some creativity, but in terms of producing like standalone musical material, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, make, I can make this beautiful track, but like when it comes to like adding lyrics and actually like making a statement about it and being like being fully enveloped as an artist, I've always been like, wow, that's really hard. And my friends are so much better at this than me. And so in about 2014, NPR and really the broader industry started to realize podcast music has to be original and we have to have rights to it. As soon as people started monetizing podcasts, the legality, my understanding of it is the legality of the rights became a little more stringent. I guess it's pretty gray as in terms of what you actually can do and can't do. But NPR decided, you know, we can't just use whatever music we want at this point. We need to actually have exclusive rights to the music. And so they started looking for a lot more original compositions for podcasts. And I was in the right place at the right time to deliver that. I think literally my first my first gig was with Invisibilia, uh, the NPR podcast. I got that gig because they heard me, one of the producers, Lulu, heard me playing the piano at the NPR Christmas party, which I was probably like four sheets to the wind at that point. So uh, I know, right? And so I don't know how that could have possibly worked out, but she was like, yeah, we need to use that in one of our episodes. We need we need you to do that. So I, I scored this episode about mental illness in Belgium um, from season two. <laughs> Problem with the solution is the name of it. And that was just a springboard into all the other things that I've been able to do. It's funny because we've been doing this podcast for almost five years. And when we started, for me, like the music was was sort of an afterthought. It was one of the other producers who said, we really should have music with this. And then it was a matter of going out and finding some royalty-free music and, you know, listening to lots of different things and pick something that we thought was utilitarian that we could just put on there that isn't going to turn people away but isn't, like, super – it was fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you bring up a, a point about – that a lot of people are, are concerned about at this, at this point is as podcasting you know, matures – and you know, people start thinking of it in the same way as radio and television. You know, music rights is a really big deal. Right. Uh, just like all intellectual property. You know, you don't, if you've got a podcast, you want to launch a podcast, don't just take your favorite song and put it on there because you don't own it. You don't own, right. you don't own the composition. You don't own the uh, whatever the performance is. And actually, those are the two things that all kind of hinges on is performance and, and, and composition. And those are the rights you kind of need to secure in order to make them a part of it. They're, you know, if you're going to get music in, make sure you, into your podcast or whatever thing that you're doing, make sure that you understand the rights behind it. Yeah. It's a little fuzzy, and I should preface this by saying I'm not a lawyer. We should bring a lawyer on, yeah. uh, maybe. Uh, maybe one of you are a trainer. No, 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 no. Um, but there is a fair use clause that applies to broadcast, and I don't know if it's specifically public radio broadcast, but there... It's never been clear, and I don't know if there's ever been enough like legal precedent to decide whether that applies to digitally distributed. You see, and that's that's one of the issues is this is problematic for radio stations who you know have their morning show and they say, hey, why don't we turn it into a podcast? And oh yeah, we'll put this Bruce Springsteen song under right. it and all this other stuff because we have already signed these agreements for broadcast. And in, in a lot of those agreements that have been ham hammered out over the years, there are some internet rights to that. Mm -hmm that some radio stations can use music, you know, in some of their live streaming. Mm -hmm. But nobody has really hammered out anything for podcasts, which right. is not live streaming, 
which is more akin to almost like a, a recording, like a record or a CD or something where you actually purchase it and, or download it or whatever. It's actually an item. Right. And so we're kind of at a point where all of those legal issues are, are, are being hammered out. Yeah. And, and so us podcasters have been around for a few years, you know, going back and looking at our music and saying, okay, well, let's, let's make sure that we're doing everything the way we, so that people understand what we're doing is, is correct. Not that what we weren't, what we were doing before wasn't correct, mm -hmm. but in the process for us, this is an opportunity for us to sort of freshen our content, sort of exactly take us to the next level. Yeah, it's not clear what the historical legal precedents are, but I think in 2017, in a situation where podcasts are big business, I think a lot of people are saying, ah, we, we need to get this right. Even if it's not clear what exactly our obligations are, we need to be we need to limit our liability here. So. Yeah, especially when you, when you consider that a lot of the people who are starting to make those decisions are, you know, broadcasting companies who want to get you know, sort of expand into podcasts. Right. And more importantly, advertisers. They want to make sure that they're advertising on a podcast that has all of, all of its rights secured. Correct. And so, and those are the you know business considerations that are out there that are going to help this industry grow. Mm -hmm. And so, let's make sure everything's all smooth and nice, and there's no problems, and everybody's protected, and we can all grow and be happy and listen to our music. So, listen to our music. Let's go mm -hmm. back to our theme a little bit. Yeah. I think we're going to uh, play a few different versions of it. Well, I'm trying to remember how long this this took you about a month. To get to where we're at now yeah yeah but i mean i think we in the first week we got we arrived at two concepts that one of which ultimately became a derivation of it became the theme i think right do you want to listen to the first concept yeah things that uh, one of the directions you laid out at the start of this process and one of the things that stuck with me was something snappy and we said yeah maybe it should hint at maybe there should be some connotations about that evoke ideas of journalism right and that's where sort of that typewriter thing came yeah. in and then the other thing that stuck out to me was we need something crisp and snappy uh, and so that was one of the directions we went yeah right and um, well let's let's play the uh, the other choice you gave us yeah that one the lounge version I yeah think. i thought that was a little more like a a lullaby in a way <laughs> and, and uh -oh. I was, then when i thought about that I was like eh, maybe that's not what we want as yeah. our theme nicole well, what were your thoughts nicole my favorite part about both of them was the the backing i guess percussion mm -hmm. sound that you hear and i think that was our favorite part of the first theme that we heard that we wanted to make sure that we kept in the the second iteration of it. Yeah. And 
I mean, yeah, for us, I think I love the typewriter sound. I think that's great. It's upbeat. You know, it's a little quirky, which is something that we were going for, I think. That was but a not word being, we used as well, I mm-hmm. think. Like too eccentric. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> too weird. Yeah, and the second one I liked too, but I think we wanted something a little bit faster and more upbeat. I think that was our, right. our goal there. And I'll tell you that, that my initial reaction, I did not like either of those theme, themes the first time I listened I to them. I remember you saying that. And, and then I went back and I listened to them. And I still didn't like them. I played them for my wife, and and she didn't like them. Um, Nicole listened to them. She liked them. She liked. The, I was pretty the, positive. She was pretty yeah. positive oh, about you, them. Yeah, yeah. Our other producer Amber didn't like them. Well, she was actually sort of non-committal. Wow. And then I said, "Well, yeah, I wasn't didn't like them." And she says, "Oh yeah, I didn't like them either." And so um, then I I played them for Lisa Wolf, who's my boss, who um, has been you know in the radio industry for you know, over a decade, um, you know, and has had to choose music like this for her podcast or for podcast, but for, for radio. And she said, they're both great. Oh, and, and she Thank said, you, and she's, <laughs> she says, no, these are great. You should, you should definitely use one of those. And I said, well, I don't, you know, I didn't particularly like, she's no, no, you're being stupid. They're, they're great. <laughs> and so, so I went back and I listened to them and the, 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 you know, and the, actually it was funny because when I realized that when I had first listened to them, I was listening to them just off of my my laptop and I actually went back and I put headphones on and I actually began to appreciate them much better. But the thing that had turned me off about the first one, which is the one that's the most similar to the the theme we ended up with, was actually I said the organ music, but yeah. it, more correctly, a, more correctly, it's it's synth. It's a synthesizer, yeah. It's a synthesizer, which reminded me it had sort of this sort of Hammond Wolitzer mm-hmm. sort of um, a Monty Python naked guy uh, sitting at a piano at the start of the show sort of theme. And so I could not get that image out of my mind. And it was like, I, that sound I, I don't like. Yeah. You know, I do. Lo- I did love the opening and I like the rhythm of it. I like the tempo and, and the way it sort of felt. And so I warmed up to it. But then I came back to you and said, look, these are my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. You know, where can we go from here? And so we're at that point. What was what were you? Yeah, and I do have to say, you guys provided such awesome and clear feedback. A lot of times, (laughs) this sucks. Yeah, a lot of times you just get. We're kind of vague. (laughs) No, I I mean, being able to identify specifically the layer of the sound that you're like, yeah, it's kind of working for me, but not this part is like great. A lot of times we just hear. And I should say, I work with this guy, Louis Weeks, all the time, who's uh, we collaborate on. We didn't collaborate in this project, but we collaborate on just about everything else. He's a recording artist and producer in his own right. And a lot of times we hear, yeah, um, it's not that, but I don't know why. Because honestly, we're putting out a a feeler balloon on all these things. Like, you guys had the ability to articulate with some adjectives what you wanted, and that gave me a start. A lot of times we don't even get that much, and it's just... Yeah, I don't know. Like, let's try something. So we have to literally produce, uh, we call it the sacrificial lamb round to be able to, you know, triangulate some different genres to say, um, you know, do you like, is it like something like this? Is it this orchestral BBC thing? Or is it this rock and roll Mac Mac DeMarco thing, you know, and like, or somewhere in that huge gulf in between? You guys were able to point out the elements that you liked and disliked. So I appreciated that. So, yeah, that... um, to talk about that first one a little bit, there's the percussion, which is mostly wood blocks and claves, and I'm not, I'm not literally smacking those against the microphone. I'm using a, a library of orchestral percussion 
and then there's we didn't figure you had a whole orchestra no but occasionally you do you do go to that you do go to that extreme you do you hire you can hire say a violinist who can really articulate what you're going for yeah, we, we did have a budget right, <laughs> right. well the national symphony orchestra is just down the street we yeah, can just, yeah, we can bring just somebody we can bring somebody in here and yeah. uh, i'll compose a john cage score for them yeah <laughs> but you do occasionally you know if you're recording guitar you have to record it live you have to use a mic for you have to mic up an amp pretty much but a lot of it is all in a, a DAW, a digital audio workstation. And uh, yeah, that synth was, yeah, you described it as Monty Python. I thought it was, um, I definitely didn't didn't love it either. Well, thanks for giving it to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, sort of in second listen, I was like, yeah, maybe maybe he's right about that. I thought it was more a little too like 90s action news. I called I called the piece action news. <laughs> And Isn't it was that, like, didn't you say I, it was very I think 90s? I said 90s human resources video. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oof. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the under, yeah, we don't bring uh, people in here to praise them. No. <laughs> <laughs> we knock but them down. The underlying foundation, the percussion of it, I think, was working. So we swapped it out for piano, which was sort of our next iteration of it. Yeah, and that's the one that we, we played at the very beginning. But there was another version, actually, that, one, that I listened to first that I just got kind of blown away of, and that was the, the percussion version. Yeah. sort of those bells the sort of tinkling towards the end that's yeah. that's very talking heads yeah know. yeah yeah that's a um it's a synthesizer but it's our ar- it's arpeggiated synced to the beat so that's very crisp yeah it's a digital it's called zebra for for all of our composers listening at home it's a zebra 2 synth it's by this german company it's awesome it's so awesome. so what was your takeaway on the on the new theme yeah i do prefer the whole kind of package that includes the percussion and then the piano and, and all of that. I, I, um, listening back to the, the percussion now, I, I kind of agree with you going back. This is nice, but it, but I think I reacted to the, the the drum because it was so different than what we'd heard before. And mm-hmm. we I think we should say we, Mike and I went down a path of looking for themes for other projects that we were thinking about doing and looking through like a rights-free library online we're like you know maybe something with just percussion you know like some drums or like stomps and claps there was a stomps and claps that we listened to we were kind of like this is so out there but it is so cool but do we want to go that place yeah but there still wasn't something quite right about it it sounded like i think i used the phrase like trailer music for an abc family gymnastics movie like a very step still. up or a, very, very specific. Yeah. yeah. Like a step up or one of those like dance uh, movies. Yeah. And it just, you know, it wasn't quite right. It just, I don't know. It sounded too produced or something, but this is definitely different. Right. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so, so you go on. Safe to say that I beat the library. The composer beat the uh-huh. machine. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's always yeah. what we're going for here. Yeah. That's what that's. Yeah, Exactly. The, the collaborative process of it was was great that you were able to give us take our feedback 
give us something to choose from, sort of, you know, give us another opportunity to tell you our thoughts, you know, like, yeah, this is the right direction, but let's, let's take it somewhere else. And then, you know, ending up with what, what was something we're really satisfied with. Great. And so our thought, our thinking is, you know, this is, this is our theme music. This is, you know, how we're going to start out each of the podcasts, how we're going to end each of the podcasts, use bits and pieces of the, the music uh, for our transitions and also for some of the promotional material that we do, the radio commercial that uh, we do with podcast one and uh, the pr- promotion that goes up on, on some of the other podcasts. So mm-hmm. for us, it was like, you know, well, let's try to find something that sort of takes us to the next level, but is also very useful to us in the many different ways, as opposed to like getting a regular composer in here to score it every, you yeah. know, we're not that podcast. Right. Um, I don't know any people that are, I mean, aside from being able to score a long narrative, like I don't think people are bringing in somebody every single time. No, no. And I think it helps us to, you know, sort of address our identity. And also this is a good point to bring up the fact that we, we did update our logo and that was just another thing of, you know, man, that, that logo looks like really old. We liked the uh, microphone and, and the, just our title on it. But then um, I reached out to a friend of mine, uh, Carolyn Bolevsky, who did the illustrations for my book. And he was a cartoonist. And I said, hey, do you think you'd give us a, you know, a logo? And she, it was the same sort of collaborative process. You know, she sent us a, a bunch of stuff. We considered, you know, we looked at all the different ones. And this was the one we ended up liking. Uh, nice. we're, we're putting it on mugs as a way to sort of, you know, cleaning it up, bringing us more into line where we think we are as a podcast now, as opposed to where we were way back when. So this is all part of us just trying to mature a little bit, improve the product that we're doing, and then but do it in a creative way, not yeah. just, you know, oh, I'm going to go on and, and just grab some music off of some rights-free thing. I, let's put some thought into it. Let's get some some creative input at it. And let's get the composer in here to do a, a podcast to talk about the process because yeah. that's that's the whole thing. So. It's always part of a larger rebranding package. It makes perfect sense. Another client we're working with, the Harvard Business Review IdeaCast podcast, is doing a new theme and new visual branding at the same time. Yeah. 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 And, and brand is, you know, that's something that, you know, you don't always think about when you when you create these things. But it is, you know, how do you represent yourself out in the world? What is your identity? You know, I think certainly you, you want to put your efforts into creating a product that, that is smooth and great and that people like, but you want to put it in a, in a package that that's going to be appealing, that says something about who you are and what, you know, the seriousness with which you do your work. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the, your music helps us do that. The new logos helps us do that. And this also, what else also is helping us is this is all part of a larger process of what we're trying to do here behind the scenes at the podcast. We're going to be launching a uh, Patreon account where our nice. listeners can, help support us, give us some feedback, opportunity for us to share some um, unique content, uh, some exclusive content from behind the scenes. You'll be able to uh, pledge a certain amount. You'll be able to get a, a mug, um, autographed nice. copies of the book, and, and also participate in surveys uh, where we can, you know, sort of grow the scope of what the type of things we cover all with the goal of trying to make the podcast a much better thing for the reader or for the, the reader, the listener. Yeah. So makes perfect sense. So there we go. Uh, that's most of the big stuff about around the music and about the, the logo and everything. Let's, let's circle back a little bit to talk about the, the data analytics. You know, the, the presentation you gave at Chicago was really, you know, really kind of fascinating. This idea that I've talked about a lot on the podcast of, you know, getting data about, you know, the, your, your, your stories, your audio, which is what you're you're focused on, 
and uh, sort of making decisions based on that. So could you talk a little bit about your presentation and kind of what the yeah. theme of it was? I think it was called Minute by Minute, uh, and it was uh, all about watching the audience consume podcasts, particularly in a on-demand listening world, which in our case was NPR One and still is. And it was how do we take this transactional listening data? Every time you listen to something in NPR One, we have a very small bite of information that says this person got this far in the piece. And how do you aggregate that to make better radio? How do you, um, what metrics do you derive from those transactions to assess the quality of content? And so that could mean figuring out which episodes within a particular podcast series are the best. And the way we do that is by measuring the audience devotion to the piece. We live in a, I like to say, we live in a Snapchat brain world where there's like a thousand Netflix shows that I could be watching instead of listening to this podcast or whatever, you know what I mean? So the ability for you to keep your audience engaged, to keep them listening is everything in this day and age when there are so many other choices out there. There's more podcasts in the market every single day. So um, measuring the audience's ability to devote their limited time, their most finite resource to your particular episode, your audio is I'll argue the best way to see the relative differential in, in the quality of, of a show um, to find the best episodes. So that's, yeah, that was what my presentation was about. What are the metrics we use? How do we use them? There was some nice pretty graphs in there. I think it cracked yeah. a few jokes. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. pretty much it. Yeah. You said a couple of things um, that actually got, in, got into the book. One of them was uh, every episode is an audition. Yes. Um, which I think encapsulates a lot of, you know, one of those things when you're putting together a podcast, when you're putting together any type of piece is you, you know, you're, you may have your regular listeners, your regular readers, but this is a new piece of content for somebody. Right. And, you know, don't phone it in. Don't, you know, half-ass it. You know, give it the same effort and quality because you're trying to convince them to stick around and listen to the whole piece. And the other little piece that you talked about was, as you were revealing this data, one of the great things about NPR and the app that they use is you get all of that data. You, the way you can look at how people interact with your content on that app. And so you can see when people leave. Um, right. And you'd be able to make some sort of conclusions about the fact that uh, most people sort of leave after two minutes. Yeah. Um, we see 33% of either skips or stops of the audio happening in the first. Really, it can be like five seconds for a lot of pieces. But yeah, um, you want to pay in a podcast context, you want to pay attention to that first two minutes. And going back to the idea that every piece is an audition, a lot of people ask me, okay, so you've been looking at this data for three years now. What what have you learned? And a lot of times you can't you can't point to large overall learnings for the entire industry. Um, all A lot of the learnings are show specific. I'll sit down with Pop Culture Happy Hour, we'll go through their episodes and say, I think this is really working and I think these, these elements are not. But there is one thing that you can say that is universal and that is every piece is an audition. The top of your podcast, the first two or five minutes is where people are making the decision to stick with the whole thing. Um, and so if you don't hook people in that first few minutes, and we draw graphs that, that demonstrate this, um, if you, the, the intro, the, the, the ability to retain the listeners through the first five minutes is the single most important factor in determining whether they stay through the rest of the piece. 
Yeah, you could have a great quote at, at minute 20, but nobody's going to listen to it if they, if they don't stick around. If you don't set it up. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, when, when I heard that and the more I began to think about it, you know, we, we changed our podcast a little bit. That's one of the reasons nice. we have the, um, the intro clip is the idea of, you know, if somebody turned, the first thing they hear is somebody talking. You don't know who they are, but you, you hear something interesting that, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this is what this is about. I'd be interested to hear what the re- this person says. The and rest I, of it. And inversely, you know, thinking about a lot of other people that I know and I've talked to about podcasts who are very much in the idea of the authentic, authenticity of the interview and of the experience, this idea that, oh, I can take my time, just sort of, you know, turn on the mics. Hey, have your seat, you know, have some coffee, you know, this this sort of slow roll into uh, a podcast, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, <laughs> the garage talk, yeah, the yeah. Gra- the yeah. Gra- it, you know, that, that actually may be working against you in some cases. Yeah. I think there are personalities out there in the podcast world who, who can do that, yes. who, who are talented enough to do that. But I think they're, yeah, more often than not, every piece is an audition. If you're, if you're taking that to heart, it means doing like something like you said, starting with a pull quote of tape for some people that's working really well. I think I didn't hear the podcast prior to that, but I think what you guys are doing now is working really well. For some people, it means very carefully writing their, their top, like writing it and rehearsing it and nailing it so that you really engage the listener and not wasting a word there. To the extent that I've been able to convince people that this is the case, we have seen a lot of people making changes in NPR at NPR member stations who are paying attention. They have made a lot of positive improvements, I think, from from that learning. And I think it's something that maybe should be obvious to us, but I think we needed the data to prove it. So. Yeah. And, and actually, that's one of the things about that we talk about all the time with data here in this building is if you're a journalist, you've been doing things for a long time, you sort of get into these routines and you have these preconceptions about how everything should be. And but none of this is necessarily really based on anything. Maybe it's right. just a gut feeling. I feel this way. Well, you know, with the data, you, you know, here's something where you maybe can measure your gut feeling. And maybe yeah. sometimes you're right, but then maybe sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. And then recognizing that and then, you know, changing your approach and sort of adapting, I think, is a huge, huge deal. It mm-hmm. makes a big difference in, in your success. Yep. The fact is, you, you said it before, there are thousands of podcasts out there you know, thousands of platforms of different type of content, not just podcasts, but, you know, movies and TV and, and whatever that you're competing with, YouTube videos. How are you going to get people's attention? How are you going to keep it? How are you going to get them into what you're doing and recognize the importance of what you're saying? Yeah. And uh, to swing it back to sort of branding, that has huge importance in that. And one of the things, you know, in my day job that I think about a lot is how, how people are consuming podcasts. And increasingly, in the next five years, we're going to see a lot less consumption through the mobile device and a lot more consumption in screenless environments where we don't, the user didn't necessarily pick that. NPR One is already on the way to that where it's a stream of stuff. It just keeps playing. Even Apple's doing that now. If you finish a podcast, it plays another one. And there's some algorithm behind it that determines what that is. So the user doesn't always have the advantage of a screen to say, what is this? They might not even picked it. So your ability to distinguish your piece with, in our case, audio branding, a branding package of theme, credit music, transitions, et cetera, is everything. Because otherwise you are just a, another piece in someone's stream. Yeah. So your ability to set the tone for yourself and say, hey, this is our podcast and this music is evocative of what we're doing here. 
that's huge. Yeah, one of the things that I that I sort of discovered as I was uh, writing the book and going back into the history of sort of podcasting, and this is like every type of new technology. There are these early adopters who, you know, part of their pride is the fact that they they scale those mountains, they set those trails, they, you know, they right. blaze the path forward for all of these other people when we find them. And they took a great deal of pride in the fact that, you know, we, you know, we got down down and dirty, we, you know, we wrote code, we, we downloaded stuff to our, our laptop mm-hmm. and, and, and had to play, figure out a way to get it onto our, you know, our audio player. Mm-hmm. And as, as podcasting grows, as audio on the web grows, because this also includes what's going on with radio as well, this idea of ease of use. Yeah. As, as there are more adopters, there are going to be fewer and fewer people who, who are going to want to scale a mountain to get a podcast. They want just to be able to flip a button like a radio and just have a certain station or whatever come in yeah. and have that content curated for them. You know, one of the great things about you know, the digital landscape right now, like, you know, sort of a DVR approach where you can sort of program yourself. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that. They right. want to, you know, I want to listen to this type of music. I want to listen to country music. I want to listen to rock and roll. I'm just listening to this station. Right. And I think we're going to get more scenarios like that, especially with, you know, players like Alexa and mm-hmm. uh, the other one I can't think of at the top of my head. Yeah, Google Home. Yeah. yeah Apple, Apple has one coming out. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's, you know, digital audio is not going to go away. Right. I think whether it's, quote-unquote podcast or, or the podcast evolve into something else we'll just have to see but yeah podcast is i think we found through the npr one experiment that like podcast or news segment we think a lot about okay you know we've now it's a news segment now it's a podcast now it's a newscast but the audience doesn't really care to them it's all audio it's all audio it, online yeah exactly so i think we have an opportunity to burst open that idea that a podcast has to be this no, you're you're producing content. You might distribute it as a podcast. It might be on broadcast radio. It might be in a stream. Uh, you might segment it up and put it in a, a place like NPR One. So yeah, think about to all f- folks listening out there. Think about your show as digital audio, and not don't think about the mechanism as much because the mechanism won't be as important going forward. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see that as mm-hmm. different types of podcasts are being produced, as people begin to realize that it's, it, it does not have to be. Uh, like a multi-segment NPR piece, or it doesn't have to be a one-on-one sitting in the garage interviewing people that you can tell all different types of stories Yeah, that can be, you know, deeply reported with lots of rich audio, or it could just be one person with one mic microphone and it's their voice talking. It can right. be all types of things. And I think, you know, as more people experiment and more people adopt and, and listen to podcasts, they're just, you know, people are going to be looking for different rich content. And That's so, right. So, yeah. It, this is all part of the the evolution forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nick, for coming in. This of has been course. great. We're gonna play you out with one of our. Gonna play you out. Play me out. <laughs> play this is exciting. Out. Play me out with one of uh, your your theme music.
Target USA podcast with your host, J.J. Green. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. That could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA. The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. The Capital Culture Podcast with your hosts, Rachel Nania and Jason Fraley. We have a new podcast called Capital Culture. Each week we go in-depth with chefs like Marcus Samuelson and writers like Bon Appetit's Adam Rappaport. We'll also talk plays with Kathleen Turner, movies with Emma Stone, and music with Smokey Robinson. Not to mention some of your favorite WTOP voices. The Capital Culture Podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.